God is love. He's always been love. He always will be. And we as his people must display that love. Thanksgiving is an act of gratitude. It's looking back to a God that loved us and taught us how to love one another. Taught us that sometimes we're very unlovable, but he still loves us. Someone asked me one time how God loved us, in what way, what was God like? Uh, I always remember that Anthony Campolo said that if God carried a, a billfold, your picture would be in it. But I think it's even more than that. I think that God loves us the same way that a set of grandparents walk up to a window in a nursery in a hospital trying to pick out their, their new grandchild. And when they finally see the name, that warm glow begins and continues. That love that's focused in such a great fascination on the creature of man. And yet God created us, and he knows that we are fallen. He knows that we fail. He knows that we're not what he wanted us to be, but he loves us so much that he continues to work with us to ultimately bring us to that point. That, that's love. That's what love is all about. And love comes from God. We've got to understand that and let people understand that. We live in a world of people that are confused about love. They don't know what love really is. They believe that love is getting the stuff you want, doing the things you want to do, receiving the position in life that you, you crave for, and, and being able to supply all those things that you would like for your family to have. That's not at all what love is about. Love is giving yourself away to someone. Just, just sacrificing in a very special way. Meeting their needs. Being there to, to hear them. Being there to love them. That is so special. And in the world that we live in, people have forgotten about that. I want to think about three parts of this this morning, very briefly. So we can begin to understand that the love that compels us and constrains us to Christ is the same love that will bring us to Thursday as we gather at Thanksgiving to give thanks to the God that loves us and that continues to love us and that we can learn to love others as he loves us. I want you to realize first and foremost that love comes from God and nowhere else. We could easily declare John as the apostle of love because that's what he talks about so much. But the reality is he only understood that love when he encountered Christ. 1 John 3, 9 and 10 John argues that one's nature shows one's spiritual lineage, and that's true. Your nature says what you're about. It doesn't mean where you came from as far as a biological lineage. It doesn't mean that that, that necessarily came from your parents. Maybe you did learn to love from your parents. Some people weren't raised by their parents. But the reality is God teaches us love in so many ways. Our nature shows our spiritual lineage. And if we learn to love, and if we compel others toward that love, you know what we do? We teach them who God is. And to understand that is so special. In verse 7, John says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. In the context of an appeal to love, it is appropriate that John addressed his readers as dear friends. I think John maybe was ahead of the other disciples in understanding the importance of love. You know, he, he announces himself 
as the apostle that Jesus loved. Yet he loved all of them. And yet he loved Jesus in such a special way. What compels you to do what you do? Do you, do you love others out of a sense of duty? Do you love others out of a sense of, of, of need? You, you, you need to be needed, so therefore you love them. Or do you have that, that agape love that God has that's, that continues to give whether you receive back or not? That's what God's love is all about. God loves us when we're not very lovable, when we forget about Him, when we feel like we're in control, when we behave as if we're the center of the world and we're not. God still loves us. Remember this, God loves us at times that He doesn't really like us. Now, only a school teacher could understand that. That there, you always love your children, there's just sometimes you don't like them. And what you mean by that is their behavior is moving away from what you've taught. Now, here's what's important for us to understand that God always loves us. But He compels us to follow Him and to be obedient to Him. The, the phrase, love one another, appears 13 times in the New Testament. And of those 13 times... Over half, seven times, appears in the writings of John because John understood the importance of that unity of love. Nothing divides a church and destroys fellowship like a lack of love. And love is amazing in that many commentators and, and, and most Christian writers will tell you that if you don't know how to love somebody, you know what you need to do? Fake it till you make it. Now let me explain what I mean by that. If you get close enough to somebody to care about them, if you begin to talk with them, build a relationship, even though you may not like them, you will be drawn to them in love. You'll begin to understand them in a, in a deeper way. You'll realize that maybe their flaws are your flaws. I had a man tell me one time that he said, every time I look at my son-in-law, I get upset. And I said, well, he's a great guy. What's wrong with your son-in-law? He said, well, he's got the same weaknesses I have, and it reminds me of how frail I am. I said, well, love him. Maybe it'll change who you are. God wants us to be people who are willing to love and to change and to grow close to those round about us, and that is so important. If love is a God thing, and it is, then it, it only makes sense to say that anyone who truly loves must be in a relationship with God. But we all know that there are people that don't know God or either ignore God or either are walking away from God and they still know how to love. Now, what is John saying here? Well, he's saying simply this. The vestiges in your creation by your Creator draws you toward Him whether you acknowledge him or not. And love was placed in your heart. John's concern is not an exhortation, but a definition here. What love is. Love gives us that understanding that we're all a part of the same family, the family of God. That we all are, are weak. That we're all frail. But together we're stronger. Now this presents us with a problem because some people might say, and, and many of them do, I don't have to be a Christian, all I have to do is love. Many of the songs from my teen years said, all you need is love. 
But you see, the problem is, if you don't have the source of love, you'll never go back to the original. You'll never do that. God compels us to do that. Remember the context of all of this is to help us to understand who our Creator is and what He wants to do in our lives. John clearly states that both faith and love are essential. You'll never come to Christ and never walk with Him. You'll never understand the love that God expressed to us in the giving of His Son until you understand that love. Faith is essential. But if you don't have the vestiges of love all around you, you're in trouble. Now, there are always those people who have loved and, and, and another person, their love was unrequited, it was, it was turned away, it was resisted, and they've walked away hurt. Please don't confuse the love of God with people loving you. We all go through times of hurt and pain. We all suffer loss. People deal with it in different ways. Some people never talk about it again. Other people can't stop talking about it. And they become angry and bitter. But when you understand the love of God, it has a way of melting away any of the hardness or the indifference that's brought about when you're hurt. Love doesn't come from people, it comes from God. And true love only comes from Him. But I want you to realize this too. There's written in what John is saying here something that ever so special is. I call it the theology of grace. Now remember what grace is. I can remember back some years ago on Wednesday nights, we went over some little terms that that we needed to understand about the Bible. And, And one set of terms was this. The difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is... Not receiving something that you deserve. A judge can grant mercy or clemency on you if you're, if you're sealed with a doom, and he can remove it. God does that also. But grace is different. Grace is getting something that you didn't deserve getting at all. It's that extra thing that, that, that God offers. It's like walking into the ice cream shop and you ask for a scoop of vanilla and they give you a what would you say Jeff a hot fudge sundae with a cherry on top maybe even two that is what that's about and that's what God does for us he loves us he gives us more than we ever need that is what his grace is all about my favorite writer C.S. Lewis wrote in mere Christianity he said do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor just do it Just act like it. Just move toward that. Give them that grace that you've received, and you'll be amazed, he said, how they behave. Because he said any injury or absence of relationship will melt away. You know what I'm talking about. Salesmen figured this out a long time ago. A smile can disarm any frown. A person who comes back in a positive way can always bring somebody back into the relationship. And that's what we're to do as Christians. That's what love is all about. Secondly, I want you to realize this. God God loved us first. That's where it all started. We didn't love Him. We didn't go seeking after Him. He sought us. He found us. He loved us. I'm so glad we began our our worship service with the little ones singing up here. 
there's something innocent about them and precious. Now, I know moms and dads, you know, when they're at home and they throw a tantrum, that it doesn't seem innocent. Of course it doesn't. We've, we've all done that. But when they sing about God, I believe it's the purest form of worship that we can have in church. I look at the smiles on their face. I, I look at the excitement because, you know, no kid wants to stand in front of the church. We've had kids that I've had some times that I didn't think they'd ever come down front and get on the platform there for the children's uh, service. But they begin to understand the importance of what they're doing. They were leading us in worship. We were singing along with them. They understand something about God because they're a little closer to God than we are because He just made them recently and He's forming them. Let's understand that, that, that God loves us in that same way. But also I want you to understand this. God sent Jesus away from Himself not because He didn't love Him but because He loved us. In order to fix what we had broken, Jesus came to earth. I, it was astounding to me as a young man to read John 3.16 and think about it, not just quote it. Because we all learned to quote it before we understood what it meant. It does not say that Jesus so loved the world. It says God, the Creator, the majestic designer of all the world, so loved us, not, not, the, not the earth, but he loved us, that he gave the most precious gift that he had, the relationship that had gone on forever. He gave his son for us. What an incredible sacrifice. Who would take the pinnacle of their success in life and cast it away and give it away for someone that really didn't care about them. God did that. He loves us that way. He sent His only Son. Meaning, the purpose was so full and so rich of love that we can't, we can't really grasp it all. This is the greatest sign of God's love for us. That He did that. So I guess what I'm saying is as you get each bite of cranberry sauce and you get a turkey leg and start gnawing on it or, or you get some potato salad and, and you gather everything together, at some point in the rituals we all go through at the Thanksgiving table, maybe in the silence of the moment as you're wiping your mouth, moving from one item to the other, remember that all that we have that's beautiful came from God. Because He loves us. And He's given us a purpose to love others. And He's let us know the importance of what we're doing in this life. Since God loved us, we should love one another. And we must. Back in the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell, who was the Lord Protector of England, sentenced a soldier to be shot for his crimes. He had done some bad things. And, and late that evening, they had a bell that would ring as the sun was setting. And he said, as that bell rings, he shall be executed. Well, the sun started going down, and they had him there in, in next to the area. They were going to literally shoot him through with arrows. And they stood there, the archers were prepared, and they listened and guess what? 
there was no bell that rang. It didn't ring because this soldier's lady he was pledged to to marry that had her heart broken by what he did in a drunken rage. But she still loved him. And she still hoped that they'd have a life together. She flung herself onto the clapper of that bell and wrapped herself around it. And as they pulled that bell of many tons and they tried to ring it, it couldn't ring. It beat her senseless and bloody. They said that when they took her down from, from the bell tower, it took several men to carry her down. She was absolutely unconscious. She was barely alive. Oliver Cromwell said, what happened? And they told him. He went up to this man that should have already been dead, and he looked him in the eye, and he said, based upon the love that was just expressed by this woman for you, I free you from your sentence. He said, such love I've never seen outside of heaven. That's what love is. That's what Jesus did. He came down to earth not to just have good sayings and kind meetings and hold people's hands and bring them together around a fire. No, He didn't. He came to die. And in the same way we're called to love that way. We're not told to take up our tracks and our Bible and go out. No. We're told to take up our cross and follow Him. Our love should be as rich as His love. And dear friend, if you have that kind of love, your thanksgiving will be the most thankful and the most blessed you've ever experienced. And may it be. Let us pray. Father, I thank You so much that You love us with such an unsearchable love. We can't really comprehend it. We can't duplicate it, but we're called, number one, to respond to it, but number two, to emulate it as best we can. To love those round about us. To reach out to them. To let them know that they matter. To give them the understanding that their love that they experience from you is unconditional. And Father, I pray that as we consider that and prepare for Thanksgiving, may our hearts be prepared to love as you have loved, Father. And Lord, I pray this morning if there's someone here who they want to come to this altar and lay something down and just pray to you and say, Lord, I want this to be the best gathering, the best time of thanksgiving that I've ever had. I pray that they understand the freedom that they have to come to this altar even now. If there's one that needs to make a decision this morning, and this is the time for decisions, if they need to draw closer to you or they need to just resolve an issue, come, come forward and accept Christ as Savior or join the church or come forward for, for believer's baptism, I pray that your spirit would speak to them and they would respond readily. Father, I thank you that you love us with that love. And I pray right now someone would move forward and they would be willing to surrender whatever restriction is holding them back. And I pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.